Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Melissa Forziat, a Seattle-based marketing consultant and event planner. Melissa currently works with small business owners and nonprofits to develop impactful events and strategic marketing plans. She is passionate about helping small business owners achieve success. Melissa has been involved in the 2006 and 2007 Olympic Winter Games, 2011 Rugby World Cup, and U.S. Olympic Committee. Through her experiences with some of the biggest brands in the world, Melissa learned the principles of building a brand, creating a marketing message, and reaching the right target markets. She's passionate about strategically planning events and marketing campaigns to allow clients to connect their great missions, products, and services with their audience. I've asked her to join us here today so we can all be a little more strategic with our marketing. So, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for mm, having yeah, me. Yeah, it's an honor and it's a pleasure. And it sounds like you're on to even bigger, better things as well when a little pre recording chit chat that we had. So I'm just so glad to hear that things are just on the up and up and up for you in all aspects of your life. But for the people that are listening and maybe don't know your story, how did you even get started? Like, do you, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? How did you even get involved in business and marketing? No, so let's see where, where I started. My, my dad was a teacher and my mom is an artist. And, you know, I guess, on the art side, there is an entrepreneurial quality there, but she she really had the creative skills, and, and my parents aren't necessarily as strong in the business side of it. And even that has developed more since I became an adult and sort of left the house. So I never really saw entrepreneurs when I was growing up. That, that just wasn't something that was in my day-to-day life. When I was growing up, though, I was doing gymnastics, and I did gymnastics for 18 years, so it was a huge part of my life. And when I finished the sport, I was in college, and it occurred to me what a big loss that was, you know, because you, you physically can't do sport anymore, and you think, what, what now? Uh, that was such an identifying part of my character. So I thought to myself, is there a way for me to continue sport without physically doing it. And I'm sure there were a lot of solutions to that question, but what I ended up doing was working in major international sport events. Uh, So I was taking on sort of administrative type roles for events like the Olympic Winter Games and Rugby World Cup. At some point, I started working with the U.S. Olympic Committee. And so I was doing all these things, and it was sort of an angle for me to, the real purpose was to continue sport without being able to do it. And it opened up my eyes to the fact that there are many different ways to skin cats, right? You can like, you can kind of figure out some solution to staying in the world that you want to be in. But, but what was really great about it was that it was giving me experience that could be transferable to any industry. You know, I was working with major brands. I was 
working with specific client groups to help them operate at these major events. And all of those skills were transferable to other types of industries and work that I could do. So five, about five years ago, I moved to Seattle after I worked the Rugby World Cup and I started my own business. I started it somewhat accidentally, but it just turns out that I was able to take all of those skills that I had picked up in marketing and event management and I was able to translate it to my own business, working with the types of clients that I wanted to support, which specifically was small businesses, although really it's been micro businesses and mm, nonprofits. Mm, mm, mm. And that's those are two groups that it can be really uh, very rewarding to work with. I've done a lot of work with nonprofits myself, even just in being able to develop your skills and experiment with stuff that people that maybe already have something established aren't you know comfortable doing yet, you know, or they're not, you know, they just want to keep doing what they've done really well. So what have been some of the biggest challenges and obstacles you've faced in working through these, like up till now, I guess, this phase in your business and how have you, how have you overcome them? I think that, I think the biggest challenge for me is being assertive in all ways. And it's, it's something that um, I guess growing up, you know, since we started talking about what it's like growing up, uh, you know, in my, in my family, there wasn't necessarily a huge emphasis. There was a lot of emphasis on hard hard work, but it was like working hard for the sake of working hard. And it didn't always translate to fighting for for what you think you should be getting. Because it, you know, it was sort of like put a smile on your face and you know, do the work. But what I've learned in my adulthood, not only from doing contract jobs where you're constantly having to negotiate, but then you know, translating that to my own business where you're constantly trying to negotiate for clients, for projects, for partners. Um, there's a lot, there's just a lot of negotiation and you have to be assertive with what you need and what you want and know your value and know what you should have and know what you're willing to let go of. But I think that's been a very big uh, thing for me to have to grasp and, and make sure that I'm, that I'm taking care of myself and my business in the process of growing it. So, you know, just because you got a new client doesn't mean you got the most you could out of that, that relationship. And so that's something that I've really had to work on over the years. And I think that's the same for a lot of business owners. So can you expand on that? Cause that last part you said, like, just cause you got a new client doesn't mean you've gotten the most from that relationship. Can you explain a little bit? Absolutely. I think, I, I think there's always this, this thing of not wanting to leave, leave too much on the table. You know, you, you, anytime you're trying to make something new happen, there's the potential that you're not exploring it to its fullest and getting the most out of it. And I, I've really been learning how to try to squeeze every last drop out of these conversations, these relationships that you build. And it's not about being selfish. It's about, how you can create the best partnerships and how you can help each other the most and come to the best win-win solution. I think so many times we all stop before we get to that point and we don't even know it because you don't really explore the limits. And so for me, uh, that's been, that's not something that comes naturally. And I've had to learn how to get really direct, really assertive with the things I want and to be really direct and assertive with the ways that I can help the other side of the conversation, you know, um, so that we can all come to the best possible solutions. 
so I think people who are just meeting me now at this point in my life might be surprised if I say that that's something I've had to work on. But if you had met me five years ago, you would see that there's been a huge development there and there needs to keep being that development in that area. And I think that that's an area that a lot of, especially micro business owners probably have in common because so often they'll, you know, a, a business will start and the business owner will say, Oh, I, you know, I'm happy to do this for exposure or I'm happy to do just get the client, even though it's at a lower rate and they're shortchanging themselves until they're ready to start owning their value. So it's a, it's a really important part of the process. And it's, and it's something that uh, when I look at the marketing side of my business, that's all about how you frame yourself and how you frame your message. And so I can take those skills and show that to clients, not only for how they market the business, but how they negotiate and how they market mm, themselves. Mm, mm. Yeah, the one thing I love is your emphasis on going deep because that's such an important part of any business. Like if you're in a one-off transaction industry, it's going to be a hard, it can be a really hard grind, you know, but if you are in, in it for the life of the customer or, you know, as an event planner, you know, you're in it for the life of that, that business. As long as that business is going to be having events, you're going to have, you know, your foot in what they're doing and, you know, keeping your, keeping abreast of what's new and, and happening. Like you have to be in it for the lifetime. So I really like that when you said about going deep on the relationship, you know, because maybe, maybe you do take a, a hit off. The, you have to be careful, right? Cause if you take someone like I'm not interested in discounts because once you, you attract, when you give someone a discount, you attract like a, a bargain buyer. And so there's tons of times you probably everyone listening to this has probably been in the mall at some point in time where someone was, you know, pick something up at the grocery store in the mall. And they're like, oh, wow. Oh, wait, it's this much. You know, I'll wait till it goes on sale. Right. And they put it down. They were ready to buy it, but they realized that that, you know what I mean? Like this store sometimes goes on half off. Right. So they're going to wait. So discounts are a terrible way. But you might be willing to do some sort of creative thing in the beginning to build a relationship but, you know, there's got to be that back end payoff. You see that all the time, $1 trial, right? You know, we're not making a ton of money in the front end, but you don't get a full month. You only get seven days, you know, and then after you get charged for a full month at full month rate. But I love that part when you're talking about knowing your value because a lot of people are afraid. Like I've gone to the post office where I wanted to send things and I wanted to get there as fast as possible. And the person at the desk has tried to talk me out of it and saying, yeah, but if you just wait, it'll get there in six days, but you'll pay half as much. And I'm like, yeah, but my goals are different than you. You know what I mean? Like my goals are different than yours. Mm -hmm. Why are you trying? And from a business perspective, it's terrible. Like, you know, the profit would have been greater. So I'm like this employee, they think they're doing me a service, but really all they're doing is they're imposing their emotion and their situa situation you know, and their needs on me as the buyer. And so I like, yeah, sometimes it's not even just going deeper. It's just getting out of your way and letting people tell you what they want. Like, you know, I, I always, I often do that. I say, you know, are you more interested in a do-it-yourself solution, a done-with-you solution, or done-for-you solution? Because right off the bat, the person knows it's going to be more expensive to have someone do it for them than to do it with them, you know, and the do-it-yourself might be the easiest. And so you kind of let people pick their own price, like, you know, ask them what they want and give it to them. So I think that's an important point for anybody listening. Well, you know, if you don't have a pen and paper, maybe get one because I think we're going to have some good nuggets in this call. You know, you, if you write it down, you I'll never have to read it again, but just by writing it down, you're more likely to remember it. So I think even just uh, kind of absorbing these messages helps. You know, the more you hear them, the more you start to 
to fill those shoes. Um, but until you start hearing messages like this, it's hard to live it in. It's hard to live it. Um, so I, I think even just absorbing it is good. But the more you can start playing with these ideas and putting it into practice, it will only help your business grow. Um, or, you know, I mean, we're negotiating every day in life, all kinds of things. So to have these skills is is something that's really important yeah. no matter what. Yeah, you're doing. oh yeah. Even if you're an employee, you got to sell your ideas, you got to sell this new project you want to work on, you got to sell your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, you got to sell your kids on going to bed. Learning to persuade and, and sell is a really powerful and important skill set that people undervalue. You know, I was thinking about that earlier. A lot of people wish they could make more money, but if people spend as much time thinking about making money as they do thinking of other stuff, I don't think it'd be a problem. You know, the problem is that people think about how do I make some money and then they get some money and then they start thinking about what to do for the person to deliver what they bought on, which is part of it. But that's not always where the, you know, if you're trying to raise, like that's the business owner's dilemma. Business owner's dilemma is how do I not look away from growing the amount of money I make every month? And yet still keep my customers happy, still get my taxes done, still get, you know, the lights turned on and off and the toilet cleaned. How do I do that? How do I keep my eyes exclusively on how much money we're making and growing that and not, and, you know, and have everything else taken care of? So. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting one, too, because sometimes you have to take what seems like a step back to take a step forward. So sometimes you have to make an investment in something that feels like a risk. That feels like you know you're laying money or time out on something, and you're doing it because that is what is going to move your project forward. And you have to, you we all get to those moments, um, and and you have to evaluate what you're looking at, and you have to take the right opportunity for you. But no business grows without getting to those moments of saying, okay, I'm going to have to reinvest yeah. this somewhere. Yeah, and a lot of people they spend too many too much time focused on the wrong things, and it's because they have a lack of experience. Where, you know, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things I love about books is you can pick up, Jim Rohn said this, he said, you should spend your evenings reading Socrates and Plato and the thoughts of the great thinkers of the world. You could spend there all, you could sit there all night and not think of this stuff on your own. And I think that that's really valid. Like I could sit down and pick up someone's book and I could, I could get caught up on what they've learned after 40 years doing their craft and, you know, just a few hours, a couple days, a week, two weeks. But they spent 40 years figuring that out. Do you know what I mean? Like just boom, just plug in. Even now with the internet, it's so powerful. So a lot of times people, they just, they, they want to figure it out the hard way because they want to do, and that's a, that's an entrepreneur control issue because we're control freaks. We want to control everything. And that's partially why we even run our own business. We didn't like working for other people or, you know, others, uh, we weren't taken care of as well as we would take care of ourselves. So suddenly we're, you know, we're going to take care of ourselves from now on, right? But that, yeah, I still have to recognize getting rich is a team sport. It's all a team sport. All a business is, is a group of people solving the problem of another group of people with a product or a service. That's, that's it. So, so now let me ask you this. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making when they're doing their events? You've been involved in such major events, even like the Olympics. Now, when you work with business owners and, and, and nonprofits, where are they messing up? Well, I think, okay, and this applies to both events and marketing, um, the, not thinking strategically, not thinking ahead. And again, I'm a big believer in thinking strategically and squeezing the last drop out of everything that you do. And if you don't plan, you can't do that. So, 
an event is really a big marketing campaign. Um, and, and there are different types of events. So sometimes it's an internal event, you know, where you're providing employee education or something like that, but you're still basically marketing some message and you're, you're trying to get somebody to buy into something. So, you know, to me, events are just one version of a marketing campaign. And, you know, there's this, this thing that tends to happen where people think about the sort of just the end result, like, okay, I'm going to run this piece of it on the following date. This is the deadline for the launch of whatever, but they don't necessarily think about how many different opportunities there are before and after that to continue leveraging it and getting the most out of it. So instead of running three events in a year for your nonprofit, you could have one event planned and three months of lead up marketing and a month and a half of post event marketing. And you've extended the life of one event uh, in a way that none of your three events put together could have done before. So I, I think that uh, if we all just spend a little time thinking about what the goal is and what that sort of the thing that we're going to launch is, and then really working all the details out of how we can make the most of it going in and out of it, we get so much more out of all of the things mm -hmm. that we do. So can you give an example? Because I think that sounds fantastic. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, an event marketing expert by any means. I feel like I know some of the things that you're kind of hitting around, but can we get some kind of concrete examples? When we talk about getting the most of going into and out of an event, like if someone does, I don't know if they have a, a one, whether it's a one day event or a week long event, like, for some people here, they may not understand that. Like, how do I get more out of just getting people there? Like, okay, maybe I understand the, you know, going into it. Okay. I want to get more people going. Okay. I understand that. But, but afterwards, like, can you help clarify, just give some examples of what, like, what does it, what does it mean? What's it? Yeah, sure. I was working with a client recently on, if she's sort of looking to rebrand, she's got this, what I think is actually a really good brand, but she herself is a little unclear what her product is. Um, she's trying to decide whether it's art or a toy. And so I, I think her audience actually has a better understanding of it than maybe she does. So she's got this, this beautiful product and she's looking at this idea of really honing in on what the brand is and sort of launching a new website and, and uh, creating a, a wider online uh, sales space around this. So what you could say and the way she was looking at it was I've got I need to decide what this brand is and then launch, you know, the website and and all of that around it. And so she was sort of seeing this as one opportunity to do the launch of a website. But we sat down and I said, now, hang on a minute. You know, you've got a whole existing customer base. You've got, you know, some social media pages that you're using to communicate with people. Why not involve everybody? So why not start by doing a survey? Ask your customers what they think your product is. But even before you do that, why don't you tease the survey on Facebook? And then after it, why don't you share some results in a variety of posts or in your newsletters? And then why don't you show them pictures of how their brand is evolving? Um, and then, you know, there's so many touch points that you can create. You know, you could even, you know, create a committee of people evaluating those results if you wanted and pull in partners from the community or partners from the wholesale stores, uh, the, the stores that are buying your product on wholesale. So 
there are so many ways that she could have made that big. Um, and then even when the website launches, you know, there are opportunities on the back end of that to say, to remind people of the survey re results, remind them that this is a reflection of what they chose and what they believed the brand to be. Get testimonials from people to say how much they think it resonates. Um, so there's so many opportunities that were that went well beyond just the launch of a web of a new website. And she just had to start thinking about them and to start realizing that this campaign could be something that lasted six months and that she could get every last drop out of it if she really thought it. So those are some great concrete examples. Those are fantastic. So I love that. So getting a survey done, but you know, if you're going to do the survey, first tease it a little bit, gives you an extra touch point, keeps you in front of your audience a little bit more, might get more people to even fill out your survey, even though some people feel like, but don't I just have to give them the survey? Well, no, you can kind of hint and tease and, and, you know, and let them know that it's coming. And then when you do the survey, once it's done, why not share them with them? Because they might be curious, not only their results, but hey, this is what you answered. And these are what the other 40 people that took it answered. So that's that's a really good concrete example. Now, I guess, what would you recommend to someone who maybe doesn't have someone like you on their team? They may not even have a big team. They're just struggling and starting out with getting a, an event going for their business. Are there any like key fundamentals that they need to make sure that they have in place? You know, like a bare bone skeleton that you would recommend to any of those types of people? Yeah, well, I mean, well, you know, a, an event is a much more complex endeavor, but I think with any marketing that you do, the first question is who is your target market? Who are you trying to reach? And what is it those people need to see? And everything that you're doing needs to center around that. So if you can't answer that question, you really need to take a step back and figure that part out. With events, it's especially complicated because, you know, a lot of the marketing that we do that's not events, we can target it specifically at one group and know that we're reaching that one group with a very particular message. With an event, you're actually reaching a lot of different target markets all within the event, right? So you might be trying to reach um, attendees, people that you want to come to the event. You might be reaching partners or vendors, people that you want to enhance your event. You might be reaching sponsors people who have a financial vested interest in what your event is providing. And, you know, they're probably trying to reach your, uh, your attendee audience. Um, there are, you know, you might have, you might be trying to reach volunteers or staff who are going to help you to implement it. And you actually have to take, treat each of those as a group that you're marketing to uh, in the overall event. So events are actually a little bit more complex because you can, if you can't just answer with one target market, chances are you've got a lot more uh, going on than that. It's much more layered. With any other marketing campaign, though, you can really look at what's the message I'm trying to get across, who am I trying to get it across to, and you can be laser-focused about that. Um, and the more laser-focused you are, the more effective it'll probably be. So I would say the first thing for people to consider is knowing exactly who their target market is. And that is not always a question people can answer. And that's not good. We want to know that before right, we do anything. Right, right. Because otherwise you don't know anything. And it is. A lot of people are just like, but I want to help people. <laughs> the people the people who are interested will come, right? That's how we do it. The people that know. Yeah, my I hear it a lot like, oh, but my thing is good for everybody, everybody. And it may be, 
good for everybody. But the problem is that, and this is an example that I do like to give sometimes, you know, if you are in a crowded room full of people and you're trying to get your friend's attention and your friend is all the way on the other side of the room in a conversation with somebody else, if you want to get that person's attention, it's not a good idea to stand exactly where you are without moving and just shout, hey, at the top of your lungs. You know, like, because you're not really cueing them in any way that you want to have a conversation with them. Um, so you end up, uh, they're too far away. They don't know that you're talking to them. They might not even hear you. And the people around you aren't really sure if you, you're talking to them. So you've interrupted their conversation. And then they realize, oh, I wasn't the hey you were trying to get. And then they go back and they keep their conversation going. They're probably a little bit annoyed because you interrupted them. Um, and that's what marketing is like, right? It would be way more effective if you knew you were trying to reach somebody to walk over to them, tap them on the shoulder, say their name. And now they know they should be listening to you. Until somebody knows they should be listening to you, they're not listening. So, you know, it's that's so much of what marketing is about. And once you've got their attention, now you have to hold it. Because, you know, we might get somebody's now in today's you know day and age, you might get somebody's attention, but you might get it for two seconds. In a lot of platforms, you probably have it for two seconds or less. So how do you keep it longer than that so that you can become a long-term memory instead of a short-term memory that they purge? This is what we have to think about as people who market in any format, whether it be an event or some other marketing campaign, you know, social media marketing or advertising, any of these things that you can do to get your message out there. We have to be thinking about how do we get the right people's attention and then how do we keep their attention? Um, so that's really the name of the game here. And the better we get at that, the more likely we will be to convert the people that we want. To no, I agree wholeheartedly. I've, I loved everything that you said there. I think it was on point And uh, the example is a great example because if you're for everybody, you're for nobody. Right. Like people, you need to have that. Oh, this is for me. Like anytime. I, hey, hello. Hey, Amer fellow Americans. Hey, Canadians, fellow Canadians. Hey, fe like, OK, but that's not, you know, you see that in messages, you know, or when people are like on TV and stuff. And I'm like, but that's not the same. It's not the same as being like, hey, you are you, you know, like it's just having such a compelling. Hey, George. Hey, Jeff. Hey, anybody going to this place? You know, bus is leaving. Yeah. And, and yeah, and what it really comes down to is sometimes I think people avoid doing it because they think that by pinpointing so carefully one particular target market, they're excluding all this potential income. You don't have to have just one target market. You know, you can have many different target markets, but it needs to feel like a personal conversation with that particular target market every single time you have it. You know, so when you're talking to George, talk to George. When you're talking to, to Mary, talk to Mary, you know, but you you can't cross those messages, right? And both of them will be more attentive if, you're, if your conversation is specific to them. So it takes a little bit more effort for us to do that, but, but in it, business, it's also just being it. realistic about it because you even mentioned in the beginning, and I don't think anybody even noticed this, but you talked about at the event, there's different groups to coordinate with. There's attendees, there's the affiliates or promoters, there's the staff and the volunteers, which are two different groups. Someone who's getting paid to do something versus someone who's there to help you out 
might need to be treated a little bit differently, might be allowed either more or less flexibility in, you know, in the hours that they work or whatever. And, and even just appreciation, you know, staff that you're paying, you may not stop to thank as much as someone that, you know, is a volunteer and they're bringing some equipment and they've got, you know, like this, this, this type thing coming along with them. And then you've got the sponsors and that's almost like you say, like you can have more than one target market, but it's a unique conversation for each group. And that's, I think one of the really most powerful things, and you mentioned all those, all that list of all those different people. And for a lot of them, I'm listening to this call. I'm sure they just, well, of course. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like even me, I wrote them down. Cause I was like, right. Cause I already know that, you know, I've already done things with that, but to segment it out and be really clear on that, you know, it, it, it's common knowledge that, Oh yeah. Right. Remind me of that. But when you talk about target marketing, it's the same thing. You know, you've got this avatar who, you know, diligent Dan, and then you got, Foxy Felicia, and then you've got, you know, hardworking Hannah and whoever, right? Like you've got these different avatars, but it's just like with an event where you've got paid staff and volunteers, you've got promoters and sponsors, you know, you've got the attendees. And so it's, it's very, very similar. I love that. I think that was an excellent point. Yeah. And like you said, it is a completely different message. You know, if you're, if you're marketing an event and you're trying to reach the people you wanted to, if it's a fun event and you want to reach the people that uh, that you hope will attend it, your message is, oh, look at all these fun things you can do. Do you like this? You'll love this event. Do you like this? You'll love this event. And it's all about all the things they'll get to experience and all the value they'll get for whatever the cost of admission was. But then you talk to a sponsor and it's totally business focused. It's like, oh, well, guess what? We're going to have a room full of this many people of this background and uh, here are all the ways you could potentially reach them. What sounds interesting to you? It's totally a business conversation. They're not interested in the fun. They're interested in the market of people they're going to reach, right? So it's about really figuring out what each side needs to hear. And that's, you know, both for an event and every type of marketing that right, you do. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, exactly. A thousand percent. So now I have a question. What do you feel holds like is it the target market that a lot holds a lot of your clients back what do you feel holds a lot of your clients back from getting more out of their events i i think that people tend not to see well there are a couple areas of it one is going back to the beginning of our conversation being assertive with trying to get the most out of every relationship so i think a lot of times people don't put their interests out there quite enough or their value out there quite enough, even from the very beginning, or maybe they're even hesitant to put the message out there at all. But there's a second level then. Once you start doing that, you have to get the most out of everybody, right? So one of the, my favorite things to work on with clients is creating like a marketing funnel for them and making sure they understand once you have somebody's attention, how do you then grow that person as big as they can be in that part of your funnel and that part of your pipeline, right? So how can you take them from hearing about you from that very first time to becoming your best customer, to becoming your best referral source, to becoming your most loyal advocate um, or your best partner, whatever it is that they're doing for you and you're doing for them, how can you make that the absolute most it can be? And I think that a lot of the people that I work with don't have that big picture at all. Sometimes they're doing things very tactically. And so they're doing things that are going nowhere. Um, and I'll, so it's one of my favorite things to do to start documenting this with clients to show them, look, here's all the stuff that you're doing 
this is where you want these people to go. And here's all the places you're dropping them right now. You're losing clients here. You're losing customers there. This is this right here. You have an opportunity to move them up to a higher level of, uh, you know, you're potentially make more money from them and you're not doing it because you're not asking them. So uh, I think when people start seeing that visually, they start to get the big picture, but most people don't have that up front. So it's one of my absolute favorite things to work on with a client because it changes how they look at their business and it usually leads to better structure and more revenue long term, even just to take a couple of days to look at the structure um, in a mm. visual way. Visualization is extremely powerful. It's a really powerful tool. So let me ask the opposite that of that kind of question then. What do you see are the habits that your most successful clients have? I think taking a little bit of time to evaluate what they're doing is a big one. I think a lot of the people who are successful have, get to this point of analysis where they're really looking at different metrics and results and they're using that information to improve some aspect of their business. So this can be any aspect of your business. And it certainly from a revenue standpoint, it helps to be able to do that for marketing and sales, but you can do it for HR. You can do it for operations. You can do it for any part of your business. But I think that a lot of business owners start in a go, 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 kind of work till you drop mode and they're just doing all the things. But it's that moment where you can take a breath and collect some results of the things that you're doing and look at them and ask yourself what this tells you. Those are the people who really improve because now they know what they're trying to improve on. And without knowing what you're trying to improve on, it's kind of hard to know whether you're moving right, the needle or right, not. Right, right, right. That's, uh, yeah, beginning with the end in mind. That's one of my favorite habits of Stephen Covey's habits of highly, success, uh, highly successful people. I think that it just makes perfect sense because a lot of people just go through the motions and do what they think. It comes down to just knowing what the goal is and having an expert advice or input because you can just plug into someone who's got experience, who's worked with Olympics and other big events, right? And just instead of starting at zero, you get to pick up where they left off. You know, that's such a powerful thing. So, you know, we put all this emphasis on get out there and do the thing you're scared to do. And obviously you can't know how something's going to work out until you actually do it. But once you do it, there needs to be that moment when you sit back and say, man, that really didn't work out. Or, that, that was perfect. What did I do? Or, okay, this was mostly good, but there was this one aspect that I can improve on. And taking that second to evaluate how it went, honestly, gives you a chance to then ask yourself how to make it better next time uh, and how to make it more efficient and make it more productive and more profitable. And the more of these checkpoints you have at different parts of your business, the more you can implement the things that you've learned and create something better than what you had when you started. So we don't want to forever be in that space where we're just going to test it and see how it goes. Uh, you know, just have at it. You want to be able to start improving yep, it over yep, time. Yep. Yeah, I agree a thousand fold. So now where do you think are the future is the future of your industry? the future of, well, so again, there are two sides of the business, right? So events and marketing. And I think the future of the industry is, hmm, great question. The future of the industry is for people to continue to evaluate the tools that are around them 
and make the most of them. So in the marketing space, we const- from a technology standpoint, there are constantly new developments coming out, which and because uh, customers are using different tools all the time. So for all of us, we have to keep tracking where our target markets are going. Um, the future is wherever the customers are, and we have to stay with that and keep our ears to the ground and make sure that we're always aware of where they are. You know, I've had a couple clients come to me in recent years who have been in business for a long, long time and were successful in bringing new customers in. But consistently, they'll come to me and say something like, well, I've been in business for 20 years, but I was mostly advertising in the yellow pages. And now that's not working as well. And they get to a point where it just suddenly dries up and they didn't have any other resource because they weren't staying on top of what was current for their target market, right? So you have to, no matter what type of marketing you are doing, events or not, you really need to stay in tune. It's not that we need to jump on every newfangled invention that comes out there. That might not be where your target market is, but you kind of have to stay a little bit on top of it to make sure that the things you're doing are still working. And that maybe you're always trying, you know, maybe every year or two, you're trying to branch out to a couple new things to see how they go for you to see if they take, because that's how we'll be able to keep reaching over time. And that's how we'll be able to stay to have that longevity in our business. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of interesting where the future is going to go. I like asking that question because there's so much speculation now and technology is advancing so fast and everybody's level is, is coming up. So it's, it's interesting to see what other people think. So, now, what do you what do you feel has been the best advice anyone's ever given you? Yeah, I have I have an easy answer to that one. Uh, I once when I was first just before I started my first international sport event job, um, it was the first time I was going to travel by myself. It was the first time I was going to live and work abroad. Um, and some somebody that I was working with at the time said to me, "Accept invitations." And it was actually exactly the right advice to give me because I tend to be skeptical. I tend to be critical and I tend to withhold myself a little bit. And uh, that's my nature. And that's what I saw growing up. And when she said, accept invitations, she was saying, explore the possibilities. You know, don't accept invitations that are obviously bad that you certainly don't want. But if you're kind of intrigued by something, if you're if you're kind of interested, if you're maybe a little scared or hesitant, but you're ultimately you kind of like the idea, accept the invitation and see where it goes. And I think that's something that has been a guiding principle for me since I heard her say that it was just perfectly said, uh, just two words. And it really teaches you that maybe sometimes just say yes. If that's where your gut is going, say yes and then mm-hmm, figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. The why. The why is more important than the how. Because if you have to figure out the how first, you're not going to get anything done. The why The why is usually the bigger cause. Why make electric vehicles? Why, you know, why sail across the ocean? You know, why? Those big whys are a big, big thing. Why put someone on the moon? Why put a satellite into orbit? And figure out the how as you go. So... That's fantastic. So now 
is there anything I sh- well before we get there you've really helped I love some of the advice you gave I love how you spoke about drilling deep with your existing customers I love you talked about building more long-term relationships love how you talked about the events and not just the event itself but the pre-phase and the post phase and how getting how that in and of itself can be a business builder not only to make your event bigger and better but just to level up everything overall um, I loved how you talked about just having time to plan and be strategic, plugging into expertise, kind of looking to the future, you know, and where that's going. So you've been really candid with us and shared a lot of great advice. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't asked you? Well, <laughs> I'm sure we could do more podcasts, but I think, you know, I think that's a really good starting point. I think for me, it's all about people um, really getting a chance to step back and say, uh, I'm going to think about what I'm doing and not just do it, you know, so sometimes you have to forge ahead, but then take the moment and assess where you are. And the more we can assess what we're trying to do and what we want to get out of it, the more we get out of it. And that is especially true of any type of marketing that you do. Um, so I think, you know, having a, a plan is always going to be more effective than just being tactical. That's great advice. So if anyone's really resonated with, what you said, your message, you know, and, and are interested in either talking to you or working with you, what are the best ways for them to reach out? Yeah, so I'm at melissaforziaevents.com. Hopefully we can have some links available for people. Um, and I can be reached through email. My contact uh, info is on that page. I've also got a marketing tips of the week page. Which if you're in the need for marketing advice, there's a ton for you to find there. Um, I'm also, I have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, uh, Melissa Borgiat Events. And that is a great space, not only for marketing advice, but also for networking with other business owners. Um, so those are two great places to reach That's me. Fantastic. That's so awesome. Well, Melissa, you've done a fantastic job today. I know that you got me thinking about some of the events that I'm going to plan, or I have planned in the near future a little bit more strategically. I'm going to stop and plan a little bit more. And I think hopefully everybody that's been listening to this had a pen and paper and took down some notes because I think you gave a ton of really great advice. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing with my tribe, my audience, one of my audiences anyways, um, because I know you could be doing 101 other things. So thank you for coming and sharing with everyone. Anyone that's listening, I obviously, you know, it doesn't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. Um, If you're doing an event and need some help or you're having struggling with your marketing, I think that it would be worth your while to get in touch with Melissa. So thank you so much for your time and for joining us today, Melissa, and it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks again for having me. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, What can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, 
bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.